one. Okay, fantastic. Well, hello, good afternoon now. It's officially afternoon. And again, thank you for your great discernment in choosing obviously the best seminar in the selection. <laughs> um, there obviously was some confusion in that uh, some people thought that um, the seminars would be just one session repeated rather than a two-parter. If you are here for the first time, how many of you? Do not panic. Do not panic. Because um, what we are going to do in this second half is the practical stuff. And uh, that would be really, I think, really, really helpful. I told, we told lots of stories and we do that this time. Um, you missed the one about a four-year-old who prophesied uh, to Heidi Baker and saved her life. You missed that one. But I'll tell you the other part of that, because on Saturday, Floss was um, leading a ladies' uh, uh, conference and uh, this young girl came with her mother. And uh, during that conference was a testimony of a lady who fell pregnant and was um, all the signs were that she was going to lose the baby. Terrible bleeding, lots of problems. And uh, God just intervened and uh, healed the whole situation and the child was born perfectly. Well, the uh, young girl listened to this story and felt God spoke to her. So on Sunday, she's with her mother and she says, Mum, we've got to walk, we've got to do this walk. Why don't we make it a prayer walk? So Mum said, OK, we make this a prayer walk. And Mum, what we're going to do is we're going to meet a lady and I'm going to go up to her and tell her that she's going to have a baby uh, in the next year. It will be born in the next year. And so mother's thinking, what? <laughs> well, because I heard this testimony and God spoke to me that there's a lady uh, in our town that needs to hear this. So, you know, mum's thinking, oh, my giddy aunt, she can go up to anybody. So they're walking. There's not many people around. And the first person to come is an old lady. And she's thinking, does my daughter understand that she probably can't have a, you know. And, uh, but, but fortunately, she didn't go up to that woman. She thought, oh, great, we're going to get close to our destination were there and then suddenly at the last minute turning the corner is this young woman mm -hmm. so this little girl nine years old runs up to her and says God's told me that you will have a baby and it will be born in a year this year or the, yeah born in a year born in a year that's right with this this woman just <laughs> cries her eyes out and uh, and the <laughs> The uh, mother of the, the, the girl says, uh, tell me your story. She said, uh, I've just left um, the, uh, uh, talking to my husband to tell him that I'm pregnant. And she said, you need to know that we've had six miscarriages. And I'm just thinking, this is going to be another miscarriage. And then your daughter came up to me and just told me that God said, you will give Breath, really. <laughs> Isn't God good? I love those stories. We'll share a few more uh, at random just to uh, keep you awake. And, um, uh, so uh, it's great to have you here. This is a two-parter. We spent most of um, part one looking at this first sub-question, why should we plant churches supernaturally? So you missed that bit, but it's recorded. So I would encourage you and then you can get that story about that girl when she was four years of age. She's, she's a precocious, sometimes naughty little girl that God uses powerfully. And if God can use a four-year-old, and when she's nine, she can, God can 
Okay, we're going to concentrate on this second question today. How do we plant churches supernaturally? Because that's why you're here, isn't it? Really, you, I, we've already convinced you. You didn't need convincing, otherwise you wouldn't be in this seminar. You know that the gospel is not just words. The gospel is power. And if we do not communicate the power of God, we are not communicating the gospel. That's a profound that's a profound paradigm shift mindset, okay? So the gospel isn't just proclaiming Christ has died and has risen. It is the demonstration, the authenticity of who he is, his very character, that he's a miraculous God. Okay, you got that? Yeah. yeah. Uh, so how do we plant churches supernaturally? We're going to, Frost and I are going to do a number of things uh, on this subject. Um, just to say, we, we, we looked at this material, we just thought, do you know, we've assumed baptism in the spirit. Okay? So I just want to say that right at the beginning. Whether you uh, are uh, the leader of a team and you've got people joining you, or whether you are just a member of a team in a church planting situation, we mustn't assume that everyone is baptised in the Spirit, but it's the beginning of, of a supernatural life. And therefore, we need to preach it, we need to teach it, we need to pray it, and we need to make it a high priority. New Frontiers came into existence because members in the established churches grasped this biblical principle of baptism in the Spirit. As a resort, experience baptism in the Spirit, their own Pentecost. We are here today. We wouldn't be here today if it wasn't for that discovery and realisation. So we will, at the end, pray uh, for uh, a fresh infilling of the Spirit for you all. Anybody's not been uh, baptised in the Spirit, then um, you'll be baptised when we pray for you. Because uh, that's okay. Okay, so that's, that's all sorted. That's done with. So we'll move on. Okay, so how do we plant churches supernaturally? And um, this is the point I really want to make very firmly. And that's this. That so often supernatural ministry has focused on teaching individuals to uh, do the work. And uh, look, this is difficult. It is difficult. It's challenging. There are huge discouragements that come on the way. And God never intended for us to do it solely. I love this uh, quote. We were always meant to venture out, but we were never meant to do it alone. When Jesus kicked off the mission that we are continuing now, he didn't commission rugged, individualistic, swashbuckling, haphazardly forging their own destinies in life, but rather he initiated a movement destined to be what? The community of the faithful. We need each other to do this stuff. We really do. We run a school of supernatural life and what we discover as we create this family, we've got about 50 people on it from all sorts of different churches, not just relational mission churches, but wider churches coming along to it. It's great. They, we create family and community and they stir one another. And by the end of the year, these timid group of people who some have never, ever shared their faith with a stranger in their lives. They've never prayed for someone to be healed and seen the healing. And at the end of it, they're all doing the stuff. The standing orders that God gave us to do. You do know that, don't you? Just, you know, people are saying, Grantly, I just don't know what God's got for me to do. So I said, well, I do. 
And they look with, what? You do? What is it? What is it? I said, well, it's to heal the sick, cast out demons, raise the dead, preach the gospel. And they were expecting me to say, go to Stockholm or go to Finland. I said, forget geography. That comes later. If you do the stand in order stuff, guess what happens? You get sent to the ends of the earth. Location, geography comes later. Do the stuff, the rest, the rest happens. So Jesus never sent his disciples out one by one. You know, often they were the whole 12. Sometimes there was a wider group, 70. 70, 72, sometimes there's confusion over that. At, at, at least there is always two creating community. And we're going to look at how we create this faith-filled community. And what we're going to do is we're going to use this passage to help us. Uh, I know it's an Old Testament passage, but the principles in it uh, we're using today to teach us how to build community that is faith-filled. And this is, this, is the, this, this is the prophecy over Jeremiah's life. Then the Lord reached out his hand and touched my mouth and said to me, I have put my words in your mouth. See today, I've appointed you over nations and kingdoms. Yes? yes. No. You're not sure? No. <laughs> Come on. We are appointed over nations. What did he say? Ask for the nations yeah. and I'll give you what? Yes, which is nations, nations and kingdoms. And this is how it will be done, to uproot, tear down, to destroy and overthrow. If we're going to build communities that are truly faith-filled and supernaturally planting churches, and planting churches that are supernatural, then there are some things that we've taken on board that we've got to actually put to death. And so we're going to do some of destroying this, 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 this afternoon. Uh, but it will be positive stuff, positive destroying, okay? And then secondly, there are things that we need to build and plant. And we'll finish with those at the end. Okay, ready to go on this journey? Okay, the first thing I said um, um, on this subject, which was the last thing I covered in the last session, was this. And that is... We are too quick to make excuses of why God cannot possibly use us in supernatural ministry. There are numerous excuses. I just touched on one, and that's this. I'm not sure if God really is speaking to me. And it usually means you do nothing. When I'm sure, I'll do something. So I just said very simply, I've been on a journey, Frost and I have been on this great journey of church planting for 27 years, the church that we are now in, Wyndham, was the 10th church plant that we, um, we were involved in. That was part of a prophecy where God took a group of about 60 people in a church in North Norfolk and said, you are going to plant 10 churches. 60 people. How are we going to plant 10 churches? Well, Wyndham was the 10th. They did it. They did it. They did it. And we were part of this journey. Now, did we know on every step of the way that it was God's will? No, we didn't. You know, what we're waiting for is it to carved in stone. And then we'd say, oh, yeah, it says there, carved in stone. How sinky, let's go. We have never had that, have we? We've never had carved in stone. We just had a little whisper. An odd thought, maybe it's there. And so what we did was 
we checked it out. We thought, let's see if God's in this. So we'd wander over here, start a bit of a work there. Things began to open up. God's with us. And the church began to emerge. We'd go over here, we'd try this. Ah, oh, that didn't work. Do we need to persevere? Or do we need to move on? Sometimes God said, persevere. Or we felt, we persevered. Other times he'd say, shake the dust off your feet and move on. But the key thing is this. It's as you go that you hear the voice of God. If we're waiting to hear the voice of God and then we go, we will never move. So we've got to demolish excuses. Is it God's will? Well, I don't know. But why don't you go and find out? It will become very clear to you if it is or not. God loves us when we're moving. I remember Jackie Pruninger came to, uh, to uh, our church and uh, we had the privilege of spending some time with her. And her great motto is, everybody's praying for a move of God. I'm praying for a move of men. <laughs> you know, God's already spoken. Nations. Spread the kingdom to the ends of the earth. You don't need any other words. Just go. And as you know her story, she just got on this boat. This was, I mean, I love this. Whoever this vicar was, she went, she went to her vicar and uh, she told him um, her vision of uh, serving God, you know, and the mission field, but no mission, missionary organization would take her on. Um, and uh, he just said, well, why don't you just get on a round-the-world boat and when God tells you to get off, get off. I mean, I love that vicar. I just think, she had one a vicar. Oh, and, I just, and so she did. Got to Hong Kong and got off. The rest is history, isn't it? The rest is history. It all started because she moved. Did she know where she was going? Not really. Had some little bits of inclination. God confirmed it. So, demolish excuses. I've said too much. Go on. Okay, my dear wife. That's not unusual. <laughs> <laughs> uh, actually, just, I'm just going to add to that, actually. When we felt, actually, often, it's not just where are we going. Actually, we often have excuses about why we don't um, exercise spiritual gifts in situations, why we don't pray for the sick, because we think, oh, that's not me. Mm. Well, that's not, your standing orders are clear. That's mm. what we want to get over to you. So I just want to challenge you about that for yourselves. It's not always the big thing. It's sometimes the one in front of you who's needy and you need to pray for them. You know, and so I just want, and sometimes we think, oh, oh, I can't do that. Or no, I've never seen anything happen when I pray. <coughs> that's an excuse. Just don't stop. Just keep going. John Wimber mm. prayed for people for ages before he saw anybody mm. healed. And don't stop, don't, don't let there be an excuse. Just say, okay, God, I'm going to try it again. I'm going to mm. go again. So just on that personal level, you know, just want to challenge you. Do not put up an excuse that it's not for you, you can't do it, that you've never, it's never, you've never seen it before, all that sort of stuff. So ditch it, you know, ditch the excuse. Okay, so the second one I want to talk about is demolishing contentment. Now we are called to be content, but what we're called to be content in, we're called to be content in Jesus. We're not called to be content in our circumstances, in a sense. You know, Paul said he was content, but it's because he was content in Jesus. Everything around him often changed. He was content within riches. You know, and actually, we need to demolish the whole thing of being content, just being contented where we are. 
being comfortable, you know, being pioneers. Actually, you've probably already had this conversation a bit with yourselves. You're not necessarily people who are going to just stick with where you are. <clears throat> but we can still be comfortable and content with the way things have been in our churches in the past. And if you go church planting, you might think, well, that's what I'm going to take with me. I'm going to do it just as we did it there. And actually, we need to demolish that whole thing of contentment because we very often need to do it very differently. Mm -hmm. And if you're working with a different people group, that just the cultural challenges. But also, the people that you will take with you might, might be wanting to come and don't assume that because they're coming with you, they're radical, you know, crazy people who are prepared to go for anything. They're, they're often not. They, they're willing, bless them, to go and to make that challenge to go, but they actually want to take it what was with them, you know, what was in the past. They want to take it with them and just be in a different location. And very often you can't do that. And I think, you know, if we want to see... Um, you know, we want to see this massive church planting initiative take off and really take ground. We've got to encourage our people to be quite radical. And, uh, you know, sometimes, you know, our people don't really want to go from A to B. But actually, we need to actually demolish the whole thing about... Um, and I remember we used to be in a Baptist church for a long time, and it drove me potty. And people would say, oh, we've never done it like that. Now, that is not just for traditional churches. In New Frontiers, we do it in a certain way, you know, and uh, actually we need to not be thinking like that. We need to have that radical edge. And this is what Randy Clark says, we need to be, we need to be hungry for the more of God. Yeah. Now, do you think you've seen enough of what God can do? No. No. So you need to be hungry, and that's what we want in our people. So we've got to build communities that are hungry for God doing more than you've seen before. This is what Randy Clark says. To, and have you heard of Randy Clark's amazing yeah. healing evangelist, works out in South America, amazing guy. And he says, periods of revival are characterised by people who believe their life they are living and the things the church is experiencing are beneath what is possible and available in God. Yeah. This belief causes them to seek him for an impartation of more. And don't we want that for ourselves? And you want to take people with you. You want to build a community that that is the heart and they want more. They're not satisfied with what they've got. You know, we want to create holy discontent in people. Mm -hmm. So they're saying, okay, well, it's great. It's great we've seen somebody's, you know, um, you know, big toe healed because they've got an ingrown toenail. We want to see somebody's mm -hmm. leg grow, mm -hmm. you know, and uh, we want to see the cancer healed. We want to go for more. We're not content with what And, you know, you, the, particularly on the healing journey, mm -hmm. you know, people say, oh, well, we prayed for that and nothing's ever happened. Well, you know, actually, you've just got to keep going. And keep encouraging, and you know, certainly in the things that we've been experiencing and the things that we've seen in other churches, um, you know, people who have pursued God for particular issues have begun to see breakthrough, but it didn't happen just like that. We've got to keep pursuing it. <coughs> don't, you know, don't let disappointment, and we could go on for ages about that, don't let that take away the fact that we've got to keep going. So keep hungering for the more God, keep out that vision. Okay, so just, we're just going to do a bit of an activation, what we call an activation. Just a, let's just get this into our heads and just quiet yourself, just come before God. Okay, just going to, okay, and I just want you to ask God. Father God, 
In what ways is my experience beneath what is possible and available for me? Just let God speak to you. Is that true? Father God. Out of that, you just say, Father God, I want my experiences to grow. I want my experiences to be all that you have for me. Wonderful. I was uh, asked to go to a church. Uh, they, had, they had started some evening services for healing. It was very specific instructions. He said, they said, um, uh, we have a bit of worship and then we want you to speak for no more than 20 minutes and then I want, we want you to pray for the sick and everybody get healed. So it was quite simple instructions, wasn't it, really? And um, so I'm thinking, God, God, what should I do? What is it you want me to do? And, um, and then this thought came to my mind. It was crazy. And God said, I want you to speak on 20 minutes, 20 minutes uh, on the story of the paralytic led drop through the roof but I want you to do it while um, a heartbeat is being played during the whole time and I thought that's just stupid that's stupid they think I'm a nutter <laughs> and I think just you know I was I was personally embarrassed but I thought this is going to really I'm going to look an idiot I'm going to look up I mean it could all go wrong I could fail miserably and but God said no you don't do it so I thought how do I do this well I knew that the beginning of Pink Floyd's Dark Side of the Moon is the heartbeat isn't it so all I did was I I copied that bit of music and just looped it for 20 minutes so I arrived at this church and I said, um, I know this is strange, but I'm going to speak for 20 minutes. But would you have this playing while I'm speaking? So I thought it was a bit strange. But anyway, they did. So this boom, 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 boom was going on. I'm sharing the story of the paralytic who is gloriously laid down through the roof. Not only does he get his healing, but he gloriously gets his sins forgiven. And I just happen to say, I think God wants to do even more today than heal you. Though that's marvellous. What he wants to do to you today is reassure you of his forgiveness that is sufficient for every sin. And so then I, uh, I said, right, we'll pray for the sick. And uh, one of the very first uh, people to come to me was a guy. And I said, uh, why have you stepped forward? He said, um, he said, I've got angina. He said, that I've been on medication and everything's been fine until this last few days. And it's erupted again. My heart condition has erupted. I'm going to the doctors tomorrow. This was a Sunday. I'm going to the doctors on Monday. I'm not sure what he's going to do. And I said, yes, why have you come forward? And he said, um, well, I want to be healed. I said, yeah, but why have you come forward? He said, because his tears began to well up in his eyes. And he said, um, he said, Grantly, I did something very terrible in my life. And I just don't think God could ever forgive me for what I've done. I said, I don't want to know what you've done. Because he was 
just about to tell me, I said, look, I don't want to know what you've done. What I do want to tell you is that I'm going to pray for you now and the grace of God is going to so flood your life, you will have confidence that you are forgiven, that his grace is sufficient, the cross covers every sin. So that's what I do. I pray for uh, that revelation and I pray for his healing. I happened to go back to that church uh, about uh, nine months later. <laughs> they asked me to do a, a day of training on leadership. And so I'm there training on leadership. Guess who's the first guy to come up to sit, talk to me? It's this guy. So he's beaming. I said, okay, um, you know, it's great to see you. Tell me what happened. He said, well, you prayed for me. And my, immediately the pain that I had in my heart stopped. So I went to the doctors on Monday, they did tests, and they said, I haven't got angina. <laughs> so I'm off all my medication. Yeah. I said, what, what, God, they said, he said, I have, for the last nine months, I have lived forgiven. I have lived forgiven. I've lived forgiven. And um, it's, uh, it's an unusual story, but what could have crippled me was a fear of failure. What would I look like if I, you know, they just think I'm gimmicky or, you know. And yet it was those elements that actually directly spoke to him, ministered to him. So we want to demolish failure. There is no such thing as failure. A little bit later on, so if you can just hold this thought, I want to de redefine success, okay? But let's just deal with failure. This is, this is a great quote from Mark Twain. I love it. 20 years from now, you will be more disappointed by the things that you did not do than by the ones you did do. So throw off the bowlines. Sail away from the safe harbour. Catch the trade winds in your sails. Explore. Dream. Discover, if that isn't a great catchphrase for your church. Come to Wyndham and you will explore, dream and discover. It's great, isn't it? Wonderful word, wonderful word. This is um, uh, Kierkegaard said this, to dare is to lose one's footings momentarily. To not dare is to lose oneself. We are called mm. to dare. This is Oswald, Oswald uh, Sanders, uh, that, that great man of God. This is what he says. A great deal more failure is the resort of an excess of caution than of bold experimentation with new ideas. The frontiers of the kingdom of God were never advanced by men and women of caution. And yet we've created a very cautious church. And how have we done that? It's because we have created this monster and we've called it failure. And we heap guilt and shame upon people because they tried and it didn't work. This is Homer Simpson's theology, okay? You tried your best and you failed. The lesson is never try. That is what the church has been saying for centuries. It's been saying the Homer Simpson theology has gripped the church. We are not here to heap guilt and shame upon people. Far from it. It was fear of failure that Jesus was addressing most in the parable of the talents. Do you remember the one who had the least 
who buried it in the ground. Why? Because he feared failure. He feared that he would lose what he had and his view of God was that God was a tyrant and as a result he would be punished for his failure. It crippled him. So Jesus is, is amongst other things, obviously there's other points in that parable, but he's addressing this issue of failure predominantly. And we need to create a culture where, <clears throat> you know, uh, we, we most clearly state that uh, uh, there is no such thing as failure. So, uh, so in the school, one of the first things we say is, is there's no such thing as failure, it's education. You've learned something. I often uh, quote uh, Peter Drucker. He did some research on the number of major mistakes that people make in their lives in a year. And he, he, he did this very clever research on calculating the number of major mistakes that people make in a year. This is what he said. People who don't take risks generally make about, on average, two big mistakes a year. That's the cautious. For those people who take risks uh, very often, they make two big major mistakes in a year. I know which one I'd choose. Wouldn't you? Caution, make two mistakes. Risk it, two mistakes. It's the same. We're much better living risky lives. Okay, let's do another activation, shall we? Let's just quiet ourselves again. Let's, if it helps, just close your eyes for a moment. And just the key in all these things is the first thing that God's put into your mind, okay? So when I just open you up for this, then just the first thing that comes into your mind is most often the Holy Spirit. So Holy Spirit, are there any past experiences in my life that I've defined as failure? and are holding me back from a faith adventure. And now just ask, Holy Spirit, will you reveal to me what you think about those episodes in my life? Wonderful, Jesus. You know, the enemy loves to sow those lies in our lives. That we're failures, that we will never succeed. We've made too many mistakes. Our history will dictate to us. And Holy Spirit says, Gosh, you're so successful. Never imagined you'd get up to all of that. And we look at what success is 
a little bit later on. Okay, Flossie. Okay, so going very much alongside that is the next thing is destroying the safety idol. Now, I don't know about you and where you work and if you're in another nation, but certainly in Britain, the whole health and safety culture has sort of gone mad, um, you know, and, um, you know, children can't do this, that and the other in school and people can't, you know, it's, it's quite crazy. And actually, we can live a very risk-averse life. And we, because we live in a culture like that, um, and actually that has crept into the church as well. Yeah, yeah. And so we actually need to live those lives that are, you know, um, not risk averse. And, you know, Jesus didn't live a risk averse life and he's calling us to live like him. And so actually, you know, the two don't go together. So that's safety idol. So, you know, when Jesus called the disciples, he went and he called them to leave everything behind and follow him. He called them to leave everything that was their, 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 their culture in a sense their um, livelihood, their, you know, their nets, their fishing. He called them to, when, we, when God called us to move out to Aylsham, which is where we then started the church planting um, uh, experience, um, God called us and actually we decided we had to, we literally rightly gave up a job. Like we had three small children, rightly gave up <coughs> his job and we didn't have anything to go to, but we knew where we had to go. And we actually lived, that did that. And, you know, just said, okay, God, well, you're going to provide for us. That was fine. You know, God, he said, I'll go and get a job in the supermarket, stacking shelves or whatever. We just knew where we needed to be. And on the day that we moved, I remember, and this is all, you know, I, it's a bit like going back to the contentment thing. I remember packing the boxes and sitting in my house that God had amazingly provided for us four years previously. I loved this house. And actually, I didn't, you know, I didn't know really, I didn't know the community I was going to go and live amongst. I didn't know. And uh, God just said to me, well, Floss, and this is what he said. He said, well, Floss, you can stay here if you like. It was like a father said, well, if you want to do that, you can stay here. He wasn't condemning me. And he just said, oh, do you want to come and see what I can do? Mm -hmm. <laughs> that's exactly what he said. And I thought, no brainer, really. <laughs> so, so that's what we did. So, you know, that safety of staying where it's safe and secure, you know, that, that's not. And, and the disciples weren't called to that, you know. And um, there's this lovely uh, there's a novel called The Shoes of the Fisherman. And it's by a guy called Morris West. And this is what he said. He says, it costs so much to be a full human being that there are very few who have the enlightenment or the courage to pay the price. One has to abandon altogether the search for security and reach out to the risk of living with both arms outstretched. Right. You know, and you can see that in, you know, in, in, in people who are you know, shut in because they have, what's it called, claustrophobia. You know, they don't, they're not living. You know, and we can be spiritually like that, can't we? We can just want to know what's around us. You know? And um, so the call is not to just leave your boats. The call is to burn them. There's a wonderful story about Alexander the Great. And uh, he was a great Greek uh, you know, leader at the time. And he and his army had conquered so many places and, and they'd been so triumphant. And then they went to, uh, to the shores of Persia. They, they sailed to the shores of Persia and, uh, in, in their boats. And um, uh, they got there, they were visibly outnumbered by the army that was facing them. And uh, his men said to Alexander, look, we can't do this, let's go home. But Alexander, being the amazing young, very young leader that he was, and he eventually died very, very young, um, he, he just said, no, pull up the boats on the shore. And then he said, 
now burning. Mm-hmm. And he said, we either go home in Persian boats or we die here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, that's pretty amazing, isn't it? Which is why he was so amazingly successful, but obviously why he died young. <laughs> that's, not, that's not helpful, is it? I And sometimes God puts us in situations, sometimes we have to put ourselves in situations like that, and sometimes we have to call other people to do that with us in church planting, you know. And, and, and not just church planting, this is how we should be living all the time, whether you're church planting or not. We've got a world out there to win, and we're never going to win the world if we stay in, in the safety zone. You know, I always say to people, you know, you will never see the amazing things that God can do if you don't live <coughs> by faith. And we put living by faith down to uh, accepting a creed. Do you know what I mean? A belief, a, a belief system. Well, actually, living by faith is that you do something. If God doesn't turn up, you're sunk. Mm-hmm. You know, and you know, and the people that you know have got stories are the people who've stepped over their fears and who have risked it and who've gone past that safety barrier. Mm-hmm. You know, and they've said, "I'm going to go for it." And those are the people that tell stories. And if you want your stories. You've got to step over that. You've got to put yourself in a situation where if God doesn't turn up, then you're sunk, actually. But you will be the one that has the stories, and you'll be the one that knows God better, and then you'll be the one that goes on to do even greater things. You stay behind the safety barrier, you're never going to see what God can do. Yeah. You know? And uh, so just, you know, that's it. We live in that risk-averse society. So... You know, if we want to be truly free, we have to be free from the fear that holds us back. Free from the fear. Okay. And then, just considering, uh, who owns my life? Who's, who's, my life is not my own, is it? My lives are in the hands of God. He, he's bought me with a great price. Mm. And um, so personal security is a bit of an illusion, isn't it, really? When you think about it. <coughs> anyway. So that illusion. So you know the example of Gideon, okay? Who, when the you know when the Lord came to him, and the first thing that you know, and Gideon was a was that sort of shaky guy, you know, was hiding in the wine press and whatever. And then the Lord said to him, the first thing was that the angel came, and we know this, and the Lord said, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. And Gideon says, who me? And then and he didn't stay there. And then the Lord said, okay, first job, go and tear down your father's altar to Baal and cut down the Asherah pole. You know, gosh. That was, you know, that was risky, wasn't it? And he actually, you know, he had to cut down that that sort of parental thing that, that you know, the Asherah pole and the, and the um, whatever else it was, and the bail, the altar to bail. That was, you know, all those pagan religions are trying to keep people safe. We're trying to be, we're appeasing the gods so that we can be safe. We're appeasing the gods so that he will, you know, they will bless us. Those that say to us, and Gideon was asked to pull them down. You know, the things that they trusted in falsely. And, um, you know, that's, and if you want to be a mighty warrior, you've got to be able to tear down those safety barriers. Sometimes things that your parents have put around you, because parents love their children, they like them to be safe. You know, we say to our children, you know, when they're little, don't stick your fingers in the plug sockets because you'll get electrocuted. So we've got little things in there. But actually, as they get older, we need to let them grow. And that's what Father God does to us. He's more and more encouraging us to grow up to be adults, to walk in the spirit, and to actually go for it, you know. And um, we've read a, um, 
Have you ever read anything about Richard Branson? Well, he's an amazing entrepreneur, isn't he? You know, emerging, you know, um, founder. Amazing entrepreneur. He had the most wacky mother. Now, in terms of parenting, you probably wouldn't do the things that she did, but she is, you know, I think he's a, he's a result of her somewhat strange parenting techniques. Because uh, she would actually, well, he tells a story of one day they were driving back from somewhere uh, that they were together, and quite a few miles from their home, she stopped the car, opened the door, took him out, got him out of the car, and he wasn't very old, was he? Yeah. Um, sort of like, nine, something like that. But like, okay, she's, okay, now, you find your way home from here. And she drove off and left him <laughs> to find his way home. But he did. She went for it. He didn't just stand by the roadside and cry. He just said, okay, I can do this, right, and I'll find her. And, and so that's what she did. And then, how did she teach him to swim? <laughs> she did, she threw him in the river. <laughs> now, you know, that's, that is not... I'm <laughs> encouraging you to do that, but you get the idea, actually. And God sometimes wants to parent us by throwing us in the deep end. You know, and if we're fearful to do it, you know, you're not going to learn what God wants you to learn. That's the thing, isn't it? So, okay. Let's just do another... Let's see what God has to say next time. So we'll just quieten it. Okay. I just I just want you to ask this. Holy Spirit, have I erected any idols of safety that I need to diminish? Just listen. And say, Holy Spirit, will you help me to do that? Because He's willing to help you. Okay. And if He's spoken to you, write these things down so you don't forget them. Brilliant, Floss. Thank you so much. So, we've been demolishing some things. Let's build some things. We want to build a culture that truly reflects kingdom culture and builds supernatural churches supernaturally. So building a faith culture, and the first thing I want to say is this, we need to, uh, at all times, at every opportunity, share the stories of what God is doing. So let's, let's do that. Uh, we have uh, someone in church called Darren. Darren um, is a, um, well, he's a, a risk junkie, he's never read that, that. and he's, he's an adrenaline junkie, he's a policeman, or he was a policeman. Uh, and uh, he was a special arms officer. He also, whenever there was a riot, he was a special policeman for riots because he loved riots. He couldn't get enough riots. So if, if life was too quiet, he'd sort of start a riot. No, he wouldn't. But, um, but um, uh, he was, he, I mean, he does all sorts of things. He's a great uh, mountain biker uh, and, um, uh, and he's an endurance cyclist. So he will cycle nonstop for three days. Yeah, because he just, that's what he does, because that's what you do, isn't it? <laughs> and, um, uh, and life was great for him. Um, and uh, just a lovely man of, uh, of, uh, of, of faith. And um, suddenly uh, he started to feel ill. And um, it was diagnosed as ME. And suddenly this, this man who had all the energy in the world has no energy. 
and uh, soon he's missing days at work because he's and then he's homebound and then he's well just unable to do anything really and uh, he asked me to go around and pray for him one day and um, and uh, I, 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 you know, I've seen a number of people with ME healed. I've got my own personal story of it. Um, I, I've got time to tell you that. It's a funny one. It's a great story. Um, but I'll tell you this one. And uh, so I'm in, I'm in the lounge with Darren. And Darren's, you know, obviously absolutely distressed. And uh, I say, okay, I'm going to pray for him. And I thought God said to me, pray for him. But tell him this that until he has discovered his destiny, he won't be healed. But as soon as he discovers his destiny, he will be healed. So, I'm thinking, flipping it. <laughs> so, um, in the end, take courage. It's a good beer. No, no, no. Um, and, uh, sorry. <laughs> and uh, pray for him. He gets worse. Uh, and uh, in the end, he gets pensioned out of the police force. What's remarkable is God intervenes and moves so that he not only gets pensioned out of his job, um, but he actually gets a full um, pension. Um, because normally he would just lose his job and nothing would... But he, they actually awarded him a pension for the rest of his life. Couldn't believe it. Uh, and so here he is, still emmied, still, um, but but blessed because he's got a he's got a pension. And then uh, a colleague starts talking to him about a particular ministry, and suddenly this captivates his heart. He begins to talk with uh, Katie's wife, and she gets captivated by this ministry, and uh, they uh, he starts to think, you know, I need to plan to train for this ministry this calling of God on my life I feel this is what God's calling me to do but of course he's got no ability to do it he's you know he's emmied he's just <coughs> exhausted and um, as God births in him this sense of calling he books into a conference he uh, uh, plans his life as if everything is going to be all right and then God miraculously heals him and there he is on a Sunday morning in front of the church saying, I don't understand the ways of God. All I know is this, that God's created a scenario for me to be free in order to fulfill his calling on my life. He has provided means for, which, for me to carry out that ministry. And now God's totally healed me. So he's still doing these crazy stuff on his bikes and things like that. But doesn't that stir us? Yeah. Testaments like that begin to foster belief that God can do anything. Can do anything. You know Revelation 19.10. The testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. That means a number of things. But one of the things it means is this. Every story we tell of the activity of Jesus, it's Jesus saying, I want to do that again and again and again. And again. And so whenever there's a testimony, uh, I like to say we, we do it always, but you know, you know, we're never that consistent, are we? But nearly always, if somebody brings a testimony about you know a heart condition that's being healed, we'll pray for those who've got heart conditions. If somebody, if we give a testimony about ME, then we'll pray for all those who've got ME because it just 
multiplies. We've just seen God do extraordinary things by repeating what we've just heard. Glorious, glorious stories. We were sharing a lot of stories uh, yesterday about um, uh, barrenness. And uh, somebody came to us at the end of the service who said, we, we, we're desperate, we can't have children, been trying for a long time. And we just prayed for them, believing. I have every confidence that uh, when I meet them next, there'll be a story of a, a child in their arms. Because God just loves to repeat those things. It's the word of prophecy. <clears throat> we need to constantly dwell on the things God is doing, not the things God isn't doing. It will give us the power to, to overcome the things that he's not doing and seeing them. So I hate, I hate brain cancer, brain tumours with a passion. With a passion. Isaac was one of the top reconstruction surgeons in this country. He just got his top job. He was in our church, the best job in the country. And he, I remember this moment, I will never forget it. We were having coffee after the service and I'm thinking, oh, Isaac, I'm so thrilled for you. You are just the most amazing surgeon. I'm so thrilled. And he said, but Grantly, I've got a tumour in my brain. And I knew as soon as he told me, um, it was fatal. And we lost it. We lost it. Then Dan. Dan uh, falls in love with one of our uh, uh, interns, uh, Kim. She's, <clears throat> she's been working for us two years, just a wonderful girl, great children and youth worker. And they get together and I speak at their marriage, it's wonderful. On their honeymoon, he has a seizure. Comes back, it's diagnosed as brain tumour. And within 18 months, he's dead. You can see why I hate. We have a young lad called Tom. He's a son of one of our elders. Just got engaged to one of our year outers, Amy, just a beautiful girl. And the announcement of their engagement, a couple of days later, he has a seizure. In fact, he has a number of them, doesn't he? Diagnosis, brain tumor. And we're fighting for him. Diagnosis is not good. But I hate it with a passion. If I focus on what we haven't done, we will never break through for time. So I surround myself with stories. My brother-in-law has seen a number of brain tumours healed. I mean, you know, and he's a doctor, so he knows that this should never, ever have been healed. There was no cure, and yet there are, there are people walking around with no cancer in their brains. And so I feed myself on those stories because out of that comes faith that destroys doubt and brings in victory. This is um, um, Psalm 78. It's the story of the people of Ephraim. The men of Ephraim 
that though armed with bows, turned back on the day of battle. So why did they do that? They did not keep God's covenant and refused to live by his laws. This is what David says about them. They forgot what he had done, the wonders he had shown. <laughs> so every opportunity that we get, whether it's a staff meeting, a prayer meeting, we start every Sunday morning uh, services and we have multiple services. Every opportunity, our elders meetings, elders and deacons meetings, everything, we just stop and say, okay, what's the stories that we've heard today? So in our last staff meeting, Matt was saying he was at David's tent and he talked to this guy. This, is, this is, gives me goosebumps. Uh, this guy, he's, and he was a student, he just finished his dissertation and his dissertation was on this computer. He had copies of his draft dissertation in other means, but the, the actual final document was on this computer and he lost his computer. He doesn't know whether you know, it was stolen or what, yeah, but I, I, he was desperate. I've got a draft, but I haven't got the real thing. And whoa, whoa. Free just cried out to God day after day. The deadline was getting nearer and nearer. God, I just need my computer back and I need my dissertation. So one day he went out in his car, got something, opened up his bonnet to put the stuff in the boot, and in his boot, sorry, I don't the boot, in his boot was a new computer. Not his old one, a new computer. <coughs> He's somewhat intrigued. You would be, wouldn't you? <laughs> when he gets home, he opens the computer, he starts it up. It's a new computer. There's one thing on this computer. It's his dissertation. It's his dissertation. I... Uh, uh, I don't know. <laughs> you, I don't know. You're looking at me. So, you know, I don't know. I don't know how God does that. But I want to feed on those stories. Oh, boy. 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 Secondly, not only should we tell our testimonies, we should celebrate them. I was in um, uh, uh, Germany uh, earlier this year and I was talking about celebrating testimonies. And uh, they got it. Because every time I told a story, they were on their chairs, they were cheering. If we want it, we've got to celebrate it. We need to stop being British for those who aren't British in this room. We've got to get on our chairs and we've got to go for it. Why would God want to give us more if actually we're not really thrilled about what we've already got? And I meet sometimes, you know, yeah, I just look, do you realise what's just happened? What's happened is what you've been longing for for 20 years is now happening and you sit there and go, oh, isn't that good? Is that good? No, it's glorious! And we're going to celebrate! You've got the idea, haven't you? Okay. Okay. Thirdly, thirdly on this whole subject, I should put these on, sorry. Thirdly, we need to redefine success. Okay. Let's do a very quick exercise. Can you just pair up or into threes, or whatever is easiest, really quickly. Don't just just look at each other. That's a pair, okay? Or three of you. Okay, ready? Got that? 
Okay, okay. Okay, this is what you're going to do. God's going to give you a word of knowledge now, okay? Word of knowledge, and this is what you're going to do. You are going to be given by God the maiden name of the person's mother. Got it? Okay. The person you're paired with... Okay, maiden name means the name of their mother before they were married. Surname. The surname before they were married. Does that make sense? Have you got that? Okay, the first thing that comes into your mind, you're going to share it. Got that? Okay. Here we go. Have a go. Have a go. Okay. Right. Let's have a look. Did anybody get it right? No! Hey, just a minute. I should have said not coupled. Yeah. Right, so are you all failures? Yeah. No. no. Did you get close? We got a first name and we got the first letter of the. Whoa! Hot. Get that. Get. Can you pay for all the others? <laughs> <laughs> Why did I do that? See, hey, the, the reality is this: you have all succeeded. Why? Because you had a go. <laughs> Because you had a go. You are success. You were out of your comfort zone and yet you risked it. You were willing to be wrong because you wanted to go for the adventure. This is what uh, Kevin Dedman says. God is more interested. I if I got this on. Um, yeah. God is more interested in the level of my risk taking than the level of my success. What I have learned is that every step of risk is rewarded equally. <coughs> Look at that. Regardless of the results, God rewards faith, not performance. Yeah, you take a picture of that. That is a. Oh, by the way, I should have said that um, um, uh, I'm very happy to send all my notes to you if I've got your email. Um, so we'll. Have we got a pen somewhere? Yeah. Okay, I'll just put a paper on here, you just put your email and you can have it all. I always give it away, it's not mine, it's God's. Isn't that a great quote? It's just amazing. It's just amazing. But so often we focus on performance, not the fact that we've had a go. We've had a go. That's enough of me. Frost. Okay. Right, so the next thing is building an all-is-possible culture. And this is really, it's really the transformation of our thinking. Because so very often we think, oh no, it's not possible. And the, mm. the, the sort of, the special things, they're the possibilities. But actually we've got to change that to think it all is possible. And of course in scripture it says, Nothing is impossible with God. Yeah. That's true. And is that true? And 
And if it's mm. true, then we need to live out of it. And so actually, success is not a goal to be obtained. It's a state of being. It's actually having that mindset. And we talk very much about mindsets when we're teaching our school of supernatural life. We talk about mindsets and actually having your mind transformed. Okay, we need to ditch the lies. So the lie that the enemy speaks to you when you go up and start praying for somebody and thinking, oh, it won't work. Mm-hmm. It won't work. Well, actually, that like you have to. Um, this is I, I teach people to do this, and excuse me for those of you who are poor who can't see. If I if I feel that God that there's a lie coming in, and I I actually recognise it, and we need to pray mm-hmm. to be much more aware of when the enemy's speaking lies to us, mm-hmm. to be having a bit more a, a better lip. Do you understand my litmus paper in science? There's like a paper, and it detects whether it's acid or outcome by the colour it goes and if it's really good litmus paper it goes quickly and we need to have ears that hear much more quickly when the devil's lying to us okay so you can pray for that so that's a thing to pray for but you know if I'm, if I'm in a situation and I feel the enemy's lying to me I almost in, I sometimes I do this if I'm on my own I do this I say I see you and I will not partner with you lie you know I because this is what God says, and we've got to live out of the place of what God says, and not out of the place of the lies of the enemy. And Jesus said, go into all the world and do these things, and he said, I've given you authority. Is that true? You know, yes. when the enemy says to you, you've got no authority in this situation, how could you do anything in this situation? That's a lie. Because it's not you doing it, is it? It's the Holy Spirit with the power of Jesus, that, you know, everything is there. The resources of heaven are there. And so we have to dispel lies and we have to declare the truth. And so we have to declare, you know, nothing is possible. Mm-hmm. And I say to people, stick these things up around the walls of your home mm-hmm. and stand on those truths, you know, because then that's how you get transformed. We, can, we need to have, we need to be renewed. Our minds need to be renewed. And that means that we need to be thinking the truth and not the lies at the end of the story. So what scripture says about you is true. Yes. It's Absolutely. not just true about the lady down the road or the pastor or whoever's doing the amazing things. It's true about you. And so you have to stand on that. Okay. And um, so just just quickly, just, you know, this is what Jesus said. With man, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. You know, and we've, we've reduced that to with God, some things are possible. And sometimes it's some things are possible for some people. Okay. But that's not what Jesus said. And then it says in Matthew 17, truly I tell you, if you have the faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. Now, you know, we we look at that and we think, oh yeah, that's nice. You know, (laughs) Jesus actually said this. Does Jesus tell lies? No, he doesn't. Jesus is the truth. He's the way, the truth, and the life. Okay. And Jesus also said this, all authority authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. So the authority was given to Jesus and he's then giving it to the disciples. Therefore, go. Remember yesterday we talked about how we go. The same way that Father sent Jesus, Jesus sent us. Exactly the same. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So, you know, when we, that's what Jesus has sent us out to do. And always, whenever God gives you a job to do, he always equips you to do the job. 
And so if God asks you to dig a garden, he will give you a spade. If God asks you to heal the sick, he will give you the ability to do it. Because it's not you, it's the Holy Spirit. You know, that's what we have to recognise. And, you know, I've been so encouraged by people encouraging me and saying, well, it's not about you, Floss. It's about Jesus. It's about Holy Spirit. It's not about whether I'm good enough. It's not about whether I can pray good enough prayers. You know, um, little children... You know, we are hearing amazing things now about what God's doing in children because there is no such thing as a junior Holy Spirit. You know, and our children can pray simple prayers and see amazing things happen. So we have to have that childlike faith too, don't we? We have to have that belief. Now, you know, our work is to invade the realms of impossibility. Yeah. That's a great that's a great strap line for this is what I'm about. I'm about invading the realms of impossibility. And that's where you'll see God, you know, do amazing things. And I'm actually going to leave the next section so that you can finish. Okay. Using disappointment positively, you know, do that. I'm not going to go through all I just that. say something simple about that. Yeah. Okay. Very quickly. And that's this. Um, Floss's brother was in um, a hospital in Liverpool uh, doing a, an elective when he was training. And uh, one of his, uh, one of his uh, six months was uh, in a... Um, uh, a paediatric ward and it was a, a very acute <coughs> paediatric ward when uh, he would take young children to the operating theatre knowing that the, 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 the most likely outcome would be they would not return alive and he did this for six months and he said it broke him it absolutely broke him he said I never want to do another paediatric uh, uh, elective again he said but what amazed me were the surgeons he said with every disappointment it just made them more determined to find cures for what seemed to be incurable he said to the state he said through my medical world I have seen now the conditions that were hopeless being routine he said such is the transformation that what was hopeless is now routine. And she said, do you know, he said, do you know why that has become the case? It's because they took disappointment and it became their defibrillator. The great word, isn't it? To action. It sparked them to action. Yeah, we, we are really praying for breakthrough with cancer in our church at the moment. Really praying for breakthrough. And um, we've had some real encouragements. We've had some disappointments. But we're using every discouraging factor to spur us on. Because that's what the medical... The medical world is obsessed with defeating cancer, isn't it? It wants your money. It wants research time. It wants attention. Because they're committed to its end. So why aren't we more committed to its end? They don't know it's sent from the enemy. We do. So it's turning our disappointments. So where we have not seen breakthrough, it makes us more determined to see breakthrough. Do you get it? So that someone's death, actually the fruits of it, is victory in other peoples who have the same condition. That's what we long for, isn't it? Okay, uh, let's, uh, let's finish in prayer, shall we?
Father, Frosted, I just want to pray right now. Jesus. Jesus. For a fresh measure of your empowering presence on everyone in this room right now. Mm. Because we can do nothing without you. But we can do all things in you. So we ask you to come and invade us right now with power from on high. We pray for fresh anointing right now for miracles, Lord God. We pray for the gift of healing to be released right now upon this body of people. Lord, we're all called to heal, but there are this wonders, there is this wonderful gift of healing. And Lord God, we don't pray for it enough. We pray for prophecy. We may pray for tongues. But oh boy, how more healing would just turn the world upside down. So we cry out to you now, Lord God, not because we're worthy, but because you're gracious. And we just, will you lavish your grace upon us and give us gifts of healing right now in Jesus' name. Miracles, signs and wonders become our norm. Lord God. I pray, Lord God, that these lives would experience what the Bible calls is extraordinary yeah. miracles. Because yeah. clearly, though there was so much happening in the early church, there were times when things even took them by surprise. Yeah. And I pray, Lord, in this room, there'll be those who yeah. will have that experience yeah. that they will be taken by surprise because of the extraordinary things that you do through them. Yeah. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Yes. 
Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Amen. Let's stand. Let's make some declarations, shall we? They're on the screen. We're going to say them together, okay? We're going to say them because we mean them, yeah? Okay. The invisible realm is becoming more real to me than the invisible realm. I am relentless in my pursuit of releasing the supernatural. I will not take no for an answer. I will not let apparent failure stop me. I will consistently release the supernatural to others by faith, not merely by sight or feeling. I will increasingly have supernatural Holy Spirit-infused dreams and visions. I will perform miracles and unusual miracles. I have authority over demons and will experience new infillings of the Holy Spirit and power. Amen. Amen. Yeah, one minute, one minute, one minute. One minute. Do be seated. There's a guy out there with a broken leg. Sorry for yesterday. Brilliant. I saw that. Didn't, I didn't have the full faith to pray for complete healing. I prayed that there'd be supernatural healing. As I went past this morning, he said to me, Wait a minute. He said, The slide is going Okay, God bless you. Have a great lunch. Those who are going prayer walking, have a great time. Thank you. Oh, our pleasure. Our pleasure. Thank you. Well, it's a great story. That's really good. It's, it's here and it's now. And that's always the best story. Really good. Unusual, grant me. Why Mumbai? Windham, it's right? It's Norwich, basically. Yeah. No, 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 no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Windham, yes. Okay. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. I want to know about the healing space because I was thinking from the States. Right, right, yes. We, 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 went, we went out there and spent some time there. We, we try to go as, yeah, as often as we can. So, we, yeah, we definitely have a problem. Yeah. Okay. That's right. That's right. It's very difficult to... Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Right. Yes. 
about changing culture takes time. Yeah. 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 Well, honour him, that's obviously a key thing to do. Honour him, but um, pray for him, his eyes will be open. Bless you, bless you. Our joy, our joy. Great. Ah, you are. I'm Tuvi. Hey, that's a lovely name. It's a Finnish name. Yeah. So, but you're in you're in uh, Camden. Yeah, I love your worship band. Your worship band. I don't know if it's a regular band, but so they came and led worship at our, um, at our leaders event. You know, I'm praying it quickly. It was so funky. It was so. I, I just loved it. I thought, no, I just thought, oh, breath of fresh air. I absolutely. We've got to come down. We've got to come down. Yeah. Experience it on the Sunday. Yeah. 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 Happy to have you. Great. Great. Yeah. I'd love to be paid for. Great. I've always wanted. To yeah. do signs and wonders yeah. and see miracles and stuff, and I've not seen anything. Okay. Since. It's been hard to kind of push through. Yeah, that. it is hard. So, it is hard. Yeah. It is hard. But I know that's something God's put in me. So it's like, okay, it's the seed of something. Yeah. 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 Let me just get get uh, I'll get floss in the place for you. Break through yeah. disappointment yeah. as well. Yeah. <laughs> we just need to pray. Yeah. I'd love yeah. to be prayed. For. Okay. Okay. Well, I'm we'll praying for you. Just say what you want to go. Why should I talk? You talk. You can. No, 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 no. Tell me what you want to pray for. I've got such a heart for seeing healing, especially okay, like on the street, yeah, breaking okay. in. Um, yeah. But no one I've prayed for has been healed nope. yet. And okay. so it's just like been really hard yeah. actually to fight through yeah. that discouragement. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Excuse me. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I don't want yeah. any more. 